You're listening to The Souvenir Shop, a podcast about random objects from the past. Number seven, the recipes. A small scrap of paper of little consequence fell out from inside a large illustrated book about Claude Monet that belonged to my mother. It could easily have ended up in the bin, but curiosity got the better of me. In tiny handwriting, the scrap contained some recipes for hair care products written by Abraham Hiller, my maternal grandfather known to everyone as Alf. In a parallel universe, Alf Hiller didn't leave school at 14 in 1907 to become an apprentice barber. Instead, he got an Oxford scholarship leading to a Nobel Prize for chemistry. He was an old-school autodidact, indiscriminate in his interests, who immediately hit it off with my father, his future son-in-law, once he discovered that Dad was a biochemist. By his mid-twenties, Alf had his own barber shop in Umberson Street, off Commercial Road, and the business thrived. From my mother's recollections, it sounded typical of its time. This was a place for men's talk, continuous rounds of the middle European card game club yush, illicit horse race betting, and a barbershop quartet. Mum always said that she received her most useful education simply by eavesdropping on their animated and often salacious conversations. It was around this time that Alf began experimenting. Unsatisfied with the various trade and consumer hair products then available, he formulated his own in the basement of the shop. He did this with no formal scientific education other than trial and error, coupled with some books from the library about colloids and organic chemistry. Soon, other gents' hairdressers were asking him where he got his shaving balm and setting lotion, and on discovering he made them himself, asked, Could you see your way to doing me a few bottles in your next batch? With a business partner to handle sales and finance, Alf later took on a factory in nearby Philpot Street to become a full-time manufacturer of professional hair care products. From here, the family's fortunes rose. They moved from their flat above the shop to a large house in Upper Clapton with a Daimler in the garage and, the hallmark of pre-war middle-class life, a live-in housekeeper. His products were patented and the recipes kept strictly under wraps. And this makes the scrap of paper before me all the more precious. I surmise that many years ago, Mum used it as a bookmark and didn't read the contents because had she taken a look, it would have ended up put away somewhere safe and lost forever. The scrap of paper details three recipes for lime cream, shaving cream, non-soapy, and barber's powder. There is a fourth recipe, but as with most of the ingredients, the title is encrypted, obviously to protect Alf's intellectual property. I assumed it would be a straightforward substitution cipher, one I would someday solve in order to market Alf's shaving cream, non-soapy, as a retro must-have for all those men tiring of their beards. But any attempts to crack the code came to nothing. Given time, I might one day get round to deciphering his words, then again, I quite enjoy the continued intrigue of wondering what two ounces of spumbux is. Alf's business became a casualty of the Second World War. Many of the ingredients were imported, or if made here, 
the chemical companies manufacturing essential oils and tinctures shifted to munitions. Alf depended more and more on the financial acumen of his business partner to help keep the company afloat, who instead absconded, having embezzled the company's money. But it was worse than that. The spirit licence for the company was held in his crooked partner's name, so even if Alf wanted to keep the business going, he could no longer legally buy the non-methylated alcohol needed for manufacture. For the rest of his working life, Alf returned to cutting hair employed by others without his own shop. His wife, Anya, my grandmother, suffered a permanently debilitating stroke in the mid-1940s, which resulted in her being confined to a mental hospital, then the common result of such misfortune. Dad described to me how, when they first got together, Mum was never available on Sunday afternoons, because that was the day she visited Anya. She was the one grandparent I never met dying two years before I was born. Mum rarely talked about Anya's stroke in much the same way as she stoically refused to read any of my brother John's writings on his cancer. Perhaps she was from a time when debilitating illness was something to endure in silence or simply gloss over. I'll never know. One could reasonably have expected Alf to be an old curmudgeon, railing against the injustices life threw at him in his work and his family life but the grandpa I knew couldn't have been further from curmudgeonly. He was the one elderly relative who never talked down to children, the one always up for mischief and laughter and silliness, despite the occasional tut-tutting of our parents. Every Christmas, Grandpa Haircut, as we called Alf, bought me my favourite gift. Mum and Dad and various relatives insisted on buying sensible presents. No trashy action men, and definitely no guns for us. But in amongst the gaunt toys and poster paint sets, under the tree, would always be Alf's contribution. The Sharp & Co. Junior Smoker's Outfit. This selection box of chocolate cigars, coconut sweet tobacco, licorice pipes and candy cigarettes allowed me to play it being a proper grown-up, and provided early practice for my subsequent Black John Player addiction. Indeed, had he been a little more crotchety and slow-witted, a little more elderly, I might still remember him from my teens. One evening in 1966, after visiting my auntie Miriam, he saw the bus back to his flat in Bow and ran to catch it. The car that struck Alf didn't see him dash across the side street on his way to the bus stop. He was conscious in hospital when my parents visited him. His only concern was being late with that month's rent. It was the standard worry of a respectable East End man of a certain generation. The pain of a road accident was nothing compared to the shame of not paying his way, be it the result of a crooked business partner or a mortal injury. He died that night. That was The Recipes, written and read by Matthew Diamond. If you enjoyed this, then don't forget to hit like and subscribe on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll see you next time.